Welcome to Revive Families Connecting Hearts with researcher, author, speaker, and coach Jeff Schott. Jeff is devoted to keeping the hearts of parents and kids connected. He developed Influential Parenting, a comprehensive program designed to help parents target the root of behavior issues rather than whacking away at the surface. Jeff also wrote the book Going, Going, Gone, which helps parents understand the reasons kids depart the faith. It gives parents the information they need to open conversations with their kids to prevent this outcome. Learn more about Revive Family, its resources and coaching for families at revivefamily.com. We're sitting in studio with a family, a family that's had a daughter that's struggled with depression. And it's always challenging because depression is a very internal thing, something I struggled with for about 18 months after losing a company. And when I struggled with it, it was something that on the outside people couldn't see they couldn't perceive and there were times i felt so alone because no one understood no one could really get what i was going through which actually served to make the depression worse in a manner and so sarah you've struggled with depression describe it a little it's a lot of hopelessness, a lot of not eating, not wanting to get out of bed, lack of social interaction, just overall not even having the energy to do a lot of everyday things that most people can. You start encountering depression. From a parent's perspective, you know when this began now looking back, but when it began, what did you start to notice? What was different? Well, uh, it started when Sarah went into middle school. And I think the thing that I did was I listened to other parents. I was on the internet and I was, I got to tell you, I quit my job to be a full-time mom. So I was going to get this right. And middle school was supposed to be about this transitional time. The kids will be changing. They'll be moody. I just said, this is it. She's moody. She's changing. Instead of uh, shutting off the internet and putting down the books and going and talking to my daughter and asking her questions, I made a lot of assumptions that this was just natural. And I missed the cues of what was really happening to my dear daughter that I loved and would do anything for, but I missed it. What were some of the things that maybe you missed? Well, some of the things that I was prepared for was that Teenagers can be moody. Teenagers want to just uh, sit there and look in the mirror because they don't even know who they are and they're just putting on makeup and doing this thing to find out who they are. They're laying in bed. They become lazy. They are more into social media and their friends instead of their parents. I mean, I had the whole checklist down and I said, yep, she's doing this, this, this. I've got a normal child. And that's how I missed the depression. So that checklist wasn't very helpful. It was devastating to me. It deceived me because what I was prepared for, because again, I was going to be a super mom. I was ready for the next phase. I was prepared for it. And instead of really getting down and knowing my child, I was checking off a checklist because I loved her. I wanted to do the best. I wanted to understand, but I didn't connect. So Sarah... 
you're starting to feel depressed, you're having a hard time getting out of bed, you're kind of crashing back into bed after school, you're losing hope, losing motivation in different areas of your life, sad in a way, yeah. even though you say you don't feel sometimes with the numbness. But in all of that, when your parents missed this, where did that leave you? I was, you know, sending signals my best without wanting to actually talk about it. Totally understandable that they missed it. What was really devastating to me is when I did confront them, hey, take me to a doctor, let me see something. Uh, I really think I'm depressed. I completely was invalidated. Sarah, you're just going through middle school. Everybody goes through this. And that's because of that checklist. Yes. And I will say that, you know, you go through and you get a blood test and physicals and things like that. What really shocked me is the physicians danced around it. They'd be like, oh, maybe she needs vitamins. Oh, maybe she needs to just talk to somebody and see a counselor. But nobody looked me in the eyes and said, your child may have depression. Deal with it. It just, it didn't happen. That being said, everything on the list, that doesn't mean every single adolescent has depression. Right. That does not mean grill your kids about what they're feeling. That does not mean roll up their sleeves and check their arms for scars or anything. Yeah, and the challenge is in all the coaching I do with families, I would say probably 30% of the adolescents I end up working with are actually struggling with depression and very rarely has it been discovered. And it it leads to so many conflicts in the home because it hasn't been discovered. So what are some of the conflicts that it may have brought up in your home because the depression wasn't yet fully understood or diagnosed? Well, I think that probably the, the biggest thing is that, you know, we would react to the symptoms and try to come up with our own conclusion as to, you know, the fix. Create a list of all the things that you have in your life to be grateful for versus all of the negative things in your life that you have to worry about and compare that every single day and you should be okay. That and, oh, Sarah, you're not praying enough. Pray more. You'll be fine. <laughs> so, you know, there, you know, again, I, I would say that the, you know, conflict built because we did not think about what lay beneath the surface, the root of the problem, the muck in the bottom of the pond, you know, the negative core values. And, you know, we would react to the attitude, the behavior, the, you know, spending time on the the cell phone and social media and the foolish decisions made therein and, you know, trying to resolve those. If we could only take that stuff away, you know, the real Sarah could come through. And obviously, when we're trying to address the issue with that approach, it just magnified the problem because the root got bigger and bigger and bigger. Lisa, in terms of looking back in that time frame, a parent has got a depressed kid. They know they're depressed. What would you have done differently? What would you tell a parent that's got a a depressed kid? What should they do? The first thing is listen and respect your child. Uh, There were times when Sarah would not want to talk to me. And you've got to realize I was coming off of this insanely close relationship with my daughter where we didn't talk about everything. 
And then she's pulling away. Now I know that her brain was changing, but that void really scared me. And so I went through the checklist. Okay, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? What I would tell parents is no, if you see changes in your child, try to gently and respectfully start drawing them out and drawing them out and then believe them. And in the meantime, just gently and respectfully talk to these children because they are going through so much. And I remember going through so much, but it was a really long time ago. You're very busy. And you don't give your child that time to just see what's happening to them, see what's going on. Just get to know that child and get as close as they will allow you with respect and questions. So, Sarah, along the way, you're struggling with depression. Your parents aren't perceiving it, maybe not believing you. And that's leaving you even more hurt what would you tell a parent to do in that time frame when they're seeing changes in their kid, even if their kid's throwing off little signals that they might be depressed or they've got an ache in their chest? Don't jump on them either way. Don't automatically attack them with the, you're fine. It's you're like my mom did, like you're a normal kid. It's everything's going to be fine. Just like count the things you're grateful for or whatever. And also don't jump on them and be like, oh my God, you're depressed. Let's deal with this. It depends on your relationship with your child and you really just need to ask the important questions to understand what they're going through. And if they say they feel depressed, you know, don't completely discredit that. And don't think it's just an excuse. Don't think they're ungrateful. Kids, we we really go through a lot and invalidation is just as harmful as accusing them of something they have when they don't. We're talking about depression and how family interacts around that depression and we're going to take a break and be back to continue the discussion of depression in a couple of minutes. Parenting is a commission you receive from God when a child comes into your life. You're the guide, the mentor, the teacher who will lead and set an example. That sounds like one of the greatest assignments you could ever be given and it is an amazing gift but it comes with serious challenges, problems, and frustrations. Parenting can be the most difficult job there is because there are kids with ideas that don't sync with yours. There's nonstop advice coming at you from neighbors and family members, and you've tried techniques that are supposed to work but don't. Where do you turn? You turn to revivefamily.com. It's the website created by Jeff Schott, host of Parenting in the 21st Century. Revivefamily.com has powerful resources to guide you to making better decisions as a parent or someone in the role of a parent, like a grandparent, aunt, uncle, foster parent, guardian, big brother, big sister. You'll find research studies, audio CDs, DVDs, and more, including Jeff's book, Influential Parenting, at revivefamily.com. Hey, it's Jeff Schott here. I wanted to talk to the moms and dads that are listening to this series and encourage you to take time to go through our influential parenting class. So vital when your kids are six, seven, eight, and nine to examine how we're approaching them and how the relationship's going with our kids. If we want to set a solid relational foundation that will carry us through the adolescent years, making them enjoyable as opposed to a trial. 
What frustrates me most, given what I do for a living, is being out with parents this last weekend at a scouting outing and hearing how negatively they talked about their adolescent kids. And I know in society, we believe there's going to be problems there no matter what. But I've found there doesn't have to be as long as we shift our perspective and our gears as parents. We have to break the one-way habits of communication we develop from having little kids, and we need to adopt a completely different strategy as our kids get older. Trust me, it makes a huge difference, and it did with all four of my kids with radically different personalities. So go on our site, revivefamily.com, look at resources for parents, and sign up for Influential Parenting today. And if you contact me with the contact us form at the bottom of the page, I will send you a coupon code so you can take that class for free. You can watch the short 7 to 14 minute videos or you can download the entire thing in an audio file and listen to it while you work out or drive your kids around for all those activities. I'm giving it to you free because I know it's going to make a difference and I believe at the end you'll go, wow, this was really valuable and you'll choose to support the ministry going forward so that we can continue to help families around the country. Parenting should lead to great relationships, a fun journey with way more ups than downs. So what do you have to lose? Go to revivefamily.com, parent resources, and sign up today. Welcome back to Parenting in the 21st Century. We're here with a family in studio. It's the Vrataninas and their daughter is here, Sarah, who's 14 years old and who has struggled with depression. It's great to be able to deal with a real situation and hopefully this will help parents that may be wondering what changes are going on in their kid. Maybe it's depression or they know they have a depressed kid, but what do we do with that situation? And so as we step back in here, Along the way, as you've come to realize that depression is a reality, what are some of the steps through the coaching with YTN that you've been moving through to try and help your daughter lighten up, not feel that weight on her chest, not feel that lack of energy that comes with depression? Well, I think as a parent, I've never been around anybody with depression I don't know that I've ever experienced depression. I know that I've been very sad, but I've always been able to deal with things on my own. It was never bigger than me. Maybe there's a lot more down there that I need to listen to, but that's how I survived. That was my coping mechanism. So I was very skeptical. I was very unfamiliar. I didn't have any point of reference on how to even understand this. So I would say to get some professionals when this is a reality and and it's very obvious, get some professionals to give you some help. You have been invaluable as a coach to me. The parents really need support because here I'm trying to deal with something and support something I'm very unfamiliar with. And it's so unpredictable because as I've watched Sarah, she doesn't appear to have depression. She's very high functioning. My beautiful daughter, straight A students, laughs, comes out. I'm like, oh good, it's over. We don't have depression anymore. And she'll go, mom, nothing's changed. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I thought we were doing so well. So I have, I'm just not competent. So one thing I'm getting help with coaching to help my daughter the best I can. 
Along the way, I know that, Sarah, you've been to how many counselors or psychiatrists? Uh, five or six. Okay. How many of them really identified what was going on deep within you? So I've been to four counselors, I believe, and then one psychiatrist. So the counselors are just like, oh, uh uh-huh, and how does that make you feel? And they're just sending me back into this minefield called my parents, no offense, guys, and no real tools with how to deal with that or tell me what's wrong with me because I knew there was something was and I wanted to hear what was wrong. And, you know, the psychiatrist basically was just like, yep, you have depression, anxiety, a uh, history of eating disorders, and a slight bit of OCD. And then for that, she just made me talk about how I was feeling. And I wasn't getting any results with anything um, until we finally started, you know, coaching with you. And we really started seeing things. Part of, for you, escaping depression, how much of it was related to your family? A big chunk. So do you think it would be possible to escape depression without your family making some changes? Absolutely not. Because like I said, I was getting very few, if any, coping mechanisms from counselors or people who are supposed to help. But I'm not saying my parents are the problem. It was just the entire interaction between the family culture. That was, you know, really harmful on top of the depression, anxiety, and whatever I was already going through. Okay. So along the way, as we've kind of stepped through this coaching process to address, you know, a myriad of different symptoms that have come out of the muck and the pond and Sarah uh, and depression being, you know, one of the first ones that manifested, you know, back in sixth grade. What are some of the things that have been hard to do, but really necessary to do in terms of helping her begin to recover? I think understanding that she is fighting a disease, a mental illness. And, you know, because just coming to that acceptance, because she has that ability, that high-functioning capability that made you look at the situation and, and look at her and look at all of the different things that she has going for her. And it's hard to first just accept that there was a challenge that you needed to figure out a path to be able to come alongside. And I'm fortunate that, you know, we've known you and we've known YTN. And, and as you've heard from Sarah, the, you know, we took many different paths, but the only one that seems to be helping us gain ground on this is recognizing the fact that, you know, quit going after the symptoms and go after the root. And that's really the message I have gleaned from YTN. It's been instrumental. And then you've put together a, you know, a, a process because healing is a process. First got to recognize you got a problem. And then to go through the healing, it is a process. And you've got the very well articulated as far as the steps needed to heal your family. So what are, you know, some of the steps that we've been taking even this week as you've been in town helping with the radio program, but also we've been spending a fair amount of time in the coaching process. So, you know, what are some of the steps that we've been taking to remove that muck to help lighten the load with Sarah? Well, the first thing as a mom, when you hear your child has depression, I think I am not alone by thinking I'm at fault. That oh my gosh, what have I done or what has this family done to contribute to this child 
having this and then the guilt sets in and then you don't want to look at it and then you want to minimize it. You play all these mental games where you got to realize you have a life that is in your possession and this is your chance to touch the future with an amazing life. If you just get yourself out of the way, look at your own internal negative core values because believe me we all want to be perfect moms we all want to put that image out there but deep down inside we have our struggles and insecurities so the first thing was to look at me and seeing what was i projecting that might have been damaging my daughter and starting the conversations and asking the questions and Realizing that if I did send some messages to her, that there's a process that I have to go through and give her time to forgive. One of my roles as a coach, which is one of the more delicate roles that I play, is to represent the adolescent and help them bring forth the sources of pain, the issues that have happened. And that's one of the steps we've taken this week is digging into some of the things that she recalls in her perspective, of course, is coming from a child's perspective versus an adult's perspective. So there's obviously huge differences, but helping bring understanding of those hurts, where those messages were sent that were positive, but were totally misperceived. Explain how hard that's been to hear and why it's so important to hear what your child is holding on to inside. When you are trying to help someone else, like your, well, your child, you have to look at your own self. And that probably is the most horrifically painful thing you could do because you want your child to look at themselves and fix themselves with your aid so they could be all right. But deep inside, it's very, very difficult to look at yourself see that with all the love and good intentions you have, that you've done some damage. And forgive yourself, which is a whole process and another program I hope we go through. But it brings up so many things that you never have time for, you never discuss, you never even look at, may not even know you have to. But this family functions as a unit and you've got to own your piece of it. Sarah, as you've been asked to bring up some of those past things with your family. What were some of your concerns? So in these six months that you've spent working with us, I've seen so much progress with my parents, especially my dad. But that being said, no offense, he was the one who needed the most progress. And he is also the one who I feel like I've been getting a lot closer to. That being said, I feel like if we bring up issues from the past, stemming from, you know, depression or forgiveness or whatever, I feel I'm just worried that he's going to revert to the old ways and not understand that I recognize how far he's come. And so this journey of bringing things up is really difficult. You're, there's fear involved. It brings up the muck in the pond, stirs up emotions that you've been able to suppress. How much do you think all of that ties to the depression you've encountered? Oh, a lot. Being depressed and on top of having an ever-growing amount of muck in the bottom of my pond is something that I'm struggling with because on top of being high functioning, on top of being hopeless, not wanting to live, I'm constantly shoveling out as much as I can. And to me, just as fast, it's coming back. Explain that. I haven't really been able to identify whether it's the same muck or it's new muck coming back in. 
but I feel like as soon as I start getting better, there's always a setback and that's the muck sliding back in. That's something that's been one of the harder things for me to deal with through this transition. I think a big part of that is having depression, uh, self-doubt and hopelessness because, you know, it kind of feels like there's always one step forward, two steps back. I've seen more like two steps forwards, one step back, but there have been some fairly significant setbacks along the way. Some of them not completely within your control in my book. Um, exactly. Things from the outside that have hit you. So when we talk about this muck in the pond, you're talking about those doubts, those pains, those feelings that you carry around. We've been helping you share some of those with your parents and helping them hear and understand your perspective and establishing apologies along the way. When you're dealing with that muck and it starts to slide back in, is that because there's a challenge with letting go and forgiving? Or is it a challenge because there's some reversion happening where parents sometimes take a couple steps forwards as well and step back? I think it's definitely a combination of both. Forgiveness more on my part, just because I am, you know, like so set on my ways and like stern and everything has to be perfect. I'm not a very forgiving person. So I own that. But that and the other element of depression, along with my parents reverting to their old ways at times, it feels like, are both the two components of why I feel like all my muck keeps sliding back in. That's it for this edition of Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We'll return soon with another program designed to help you become a wiser, more effective, more influential parent. Jeff's website is revivefamily.com. Parenting in the 21st Century is produced in association with Faith Radio. Jeff Schott is a pastoral counselor and coach. He is not a licensed healthcare professional. What you've heard is not a substitute for seeking professional medical or psychological support.